Hi, welcome to your Hollywood Crime Scene mini episode. Hi. As promised, we're going to discuss the Son of Sam, Roy Radin conspiracy theory. Ooh. Now, recently there was a docu-series that came out on Netflix called Sons of Sam. I started it. Did you? Yeah. It's pretty wild. Did you finish it? I only watched up until the end of episode three. Oh, so you got far. Yeah, because it's a four-part docu-series, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. Right. That on a mini episode that this series was coming out. Yes. We talked about it like right before it came out, that it was this investigative journalist, Maury Terry, who had researched a conspiracy that David Berkowitz did not act alone. Yes. And that's what this docu-series is about. Uh, it's it's also it's also about Maury Terry's descent into madness. I like that kind of story. Not not someone's descent into madness, no. but when someone becomes obsessed with a case or a story, it's always kind of an it's like a dual interesting thing happening. Yeah, because yeah. it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I I agree. That is interesting. So that's sort of like. Um, because like it does go really off the rails. It like by episode three, you're like, okay, this is these theories are fucking insane. Yes. Um. And okay, so there's a narrator in the docu series narrating Maury Terry because he's he's not alive anymore. So they have a narrator like narrating his thoughts. Yes. Um. Well, probably I, his writings, right? His writings. Yeah. Because yeah, he wrote a book. And I was like, who is this? I know who this is. And then like the credits rolled on episode one. It was like narrated by Paul Giamatti. I was like, oh, oh. like that is a good choice for someone very frantic. Oh, that's so funny. I feel like I heard that, but I forgot uh, that it was him. But I, the- I'm going to rewatch it. I just started it late at night and it's definitely not something to watch late at night because you'll fall asleep. It's that kind of low key. Yeah. And I honestly like now, like each subsequent episode, I could not stop thinking about Paul, that's Paul Giamatti. That's Paul Giamatti. Uh, like, I, like I couldn't, ju- I, I, I just could, couldn't help but just picture his little face. Yes, I do that too. Okay. So for those of you who don't know the Son of Sam case, we're not going to get too deep into that. But in August of 1977, David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the Son of Sam, was arrested for the string of murders that he committed that terrorized New York City for an entire year. Now, he targeted random people, often couples, in their cars at sort of lover's lane type spots. Or sometimes just on the street making out in a car. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, Yeah. just on the street in the car. Uh, A lot of them were in cars. I think, yeah, I think most of them were. Were they all in cars? I don't know a ton about this case, but I know a lot of them were in cars for sure. And I just watched the first, like I said, I watched the first episode and that kind of is the one that deals with the initial crimes. Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, because they actually, in the documentary, they're talking to victims. And one of the women, she's like, I was in the car, right? And he yeah. shoots them like in the car. Because some people survived. I think he murdered six people, but then he wounded seven. Yes. As far as I can remember. So Berkowitz shot his victims at random. And then he wrote letters to the police, which were subsequently published in the newspapers and dissected by the public and investigators. Uh, this was controversial, publishing these letters, because it, some people thought it was glorifying and deifying this this killer, sort of making him 
like giving a cult give, figure, or yeah, something. or giving yeah. him what he wanted this this attention. Um, but these letters were pretty off the wall. Yeah, letters like they were manifestos. I want to read it. Yeah, I mean, look, David Berkowitz. He's not a cult figure. He's not gonna. No one's gonna think that guy's cool. <laughs> yeah, he he's, he majorly sucks ass. Uh, the letters, as well as Berkowitz's own statements after being arrested, were heavily saturated with these satanic ideas or what people thought were. Oh, this is a very satanic language. Yes, he's talking about Satan and Beelzebub and right. That sort of thing. Well, because he was saying the dog was telling him, right? Yeah. He literally claimed that he was taking his orders from a 6,000-year-old dog. It was like his neighbor's dog. That's what they found out. They're like, oh, his neighbor... (laughs) Sam. (laughs) I'm going to get to that. Okay, okay. I'm going to get to that. So over the course of the investigation, several composite sketches were made from surviving witnesses. All of these sketches appeared to be different from one another. Like they appeared to be from different, like, oh, that these don't look alike. Yes. These guys don't look alike. This is what initially sparked journalist Maury Terry's theory that the Son of Sam murders were carried out by multiple people. Right. Personally, I would go with Oakham's Razor. It's not like every sketch artist is going to be, or well, witness is going to be spot on. And we saw with Richard Ramirez, those sketches were wildly different. Uh and yeah. the, the, the famous one doesn't look like him at all. There's so many composite sketches that I've seen just of various uh, suspects over the years that yeah. look absolutely nothing. I think it would be hard to do it for someone. Like if I had to tell someone what you looked like, yeah, it would be difficult. Like much less someone I saw for 30 seconds in the most horrifying moment of my life. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, well, maybe even if you could get me spot on, like what's to say that that person would even draw an accurate representation of me? Yeah. There's so many uh, like different variables. Yeah. I I don't really know the science of composite sketches or how often they look that accurate, but for Maury Terry, this would have him, this was like just the tip of the iceberg for him. This started him off on a journey. Uh, Chasing down additional leads into this theory would lead Terry down a dizzying rabbit hole and a descent into madness. The four-part Netflix docuseries, as I said before, it's called Sons of Sam, A Descent into Darkness. Terry began looking into the Carr family, whose sons, John and Michael, hung out with Berkowitz. Now, the dad's name was Sam. So they're like, oh. Yeah. Son of Sam? Yeah. <laughs> well, Terry said that. The, yeah. This, this is the son of Sam. And they had a dog. Right. A black lab, I believe. Or was it a German shepherd? I feel like it, was it a Rottweiler? Maybe it was a Rottweiler. It was a black dog. Yeah. It's a black dog. One of the son's nicknames was Wheaties. Oh. And in one of David Berkowitz's letters to the police, he mentioned Wheaties. So Maury Terry was like, that is a connection to, okay. to uh, the, one of the car sons. You know what? When you're looking for connections, you find them. Of course. <laughs> uh, when a local teen claimed that Berkowitz and the Carr brothers hung out at this abandoned well pump, which was known as Devil's Cave, this further cemented the idea that these brothers were not only involved, but also part of a larger satanic cult with David Berkowitz. Okay. Now, this era, the 
mid to late 70s is prime time beginning of the satanic panic. Yes. I would say the satanic panic probably was at its peak in the 80s. Yeah, but stuff is starting to build up here. And there, if you if you know anything about 70s horror, it's a lot of satanic possessions. A religious horror is yes. big in the 70s. Uh, so yeah, it kind of makes sense that that right. would sort of be in the consciousness. Yeah, you have the omen, you have... Uh, Exorcist. Exorcist. Yeah. There's countless others... Devil's that would fit rain. into yeah, that would fit into religious horror yeah. as a subgenre, and and the country is sort of gripped by this um, fear also of these like oh this is like anti Christian stuff that's happening that's going to take our kids away right, and then I think with the conservative government coming in in the eighties, it just created this big moral panic, right? It kind of accentuated it more in the eighties for yeah. sure, and satanic panics. I mean, they've been historically like this is like something that's occurred in throughout the world and it's always to control people like yeah it's always like some kind of moral panic to kind of get everyone in line and pull back on their wild ways i mean a very famous example of a i mean it wasn't called the satanic panic but a famous example of a similar instance occurring would be in the middle ages when during the blood libel right with jews in which uh christians believed that jewish people were literally drinking children's blood and then they got murdered out because of that so that was like a huge panic that happened yeah um so this is obviously it's a different version of that right um so so they're so maury terry's really looking into this satanic cult angle and this is also the same time that a lot of people are joining cults yeah in the 70s absolutely there's this big boom of like parents are really worried that their kid might join a cult yeah um, and there were a lot of cults emerging. <laughs> it was prime cult time. <laughs> it was prime cult time. So they go to this abandoned area where Berkowitz and the Carr brothers were said to have hung out. And there's all this like very cliche satanic imagery. Right. Pentagram. Pentagrams and like weird shit all over the place. Then they find some dead dogs. <gasps> More to the theory of like, oh, they're doing animal sacrifices mm-hmm. and they're dogs. Yeah. It's all coming together for Maury Terry. When both, when both Carr brothers wound up dead not long after David Berkowitz was arrested, this, to Terry, was evidence of a cover-up. Totally. So John Carr died by suicide. It was a gunshot wound to the head. And Michael Carr died in a car accident. He believed, Maury Terry believed that this was on purpose. They were offed. Mm-hmm. Uh, by I guess, I think by the cult. It's always weird when people have a theory and circumstances line up for them. Because when I hear this, it's like, well, yeah, I can see why he thought everything was like coming together as a cult or a cover up. Yeah, it certainly makes it's not like out of the realm of possibility. And sometimes there are instances in which things start with a grain of something that could be plausible, such as the police not looking into multiple shooters, in which that is a theory that I think is a reasonable theory to explore. Yeah, absolutely. That this... There was multiple perps, like, were were they working together? Like, yeah. And and the police wanted to close this case so badly and be the heroes and say, we got the guy, he's this monster that we got. 
They right. didn't want to do additional work. Well, especially in these cases that are have a city and a panic. Yes. It's very, like, they really want to close it. And you can see why, because it is creating a whole other set of problems. Like, people are terrified, and there could be accidental killings because people are scared and someone walks by their house. Like, there's a lot of possibilities of things going wrong when a city is in that kind of panic, I yeah. think. Yeah, and that's very, I mean, that's like a instance where I feel like, okay, like he could have gone down that rabbit hole in terms of a police negligence or cover up. Yes. But he really, really focused, I think, on going down this cult Satan road. Well, it's certainly the most interesting. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely. And so (laughs) this is fucking wild. So Episode three of the docuseries really shows how off the rails Maury Terry went into this investigation. His leads and theories were snowballing at an exponential rate. Terry posits that the murder of Stacy Moskowitz, who was one of Berkowitz's victims, was filmed for a snuff film. <gasps> he, he believes that her murder is on film somewhere. And he believes that the person who filmed her murder was photographer Ron Sisman. Now, we talked about Ron in episode one of our Cotton Club murder series. Him and his girlfriend, Elizabeth Platzman, were murdered at his Manhattan apartment on Halloween night, 1981. We talked about him because Ron was friends with Roy Radin. They they were mutual friends of Melanie Haller. Right who was uh, at the Roy Radin's mansion in Southampton when she was attacked and raped. So uh, that incident was also filmed, her attack. Right. So Maury Terry's like, oh, there's this like filming There's some kind of snuff film. Yeah. And Roy Radin is this like, uh, you know, shadowy like millionaire guy who has these wild sex parties in the the Hamptons with all these other rich people. (gasps) It's like a Jeffrey Epstein type. Yeah. Like there's this like nefarious stuff that's beyond just a bunch of shitheads getting high and fucking. It's like, has to be like something more satanic. Yes. According to Terry. So Terry got this information, the claim that, Ron Sisman had filmed this murder via prison letters from an informant who claimed he was friendly with Berkowitz and was like, I heard Berkowitz, he told me all this stuff. The letters mention someone named R.R., a.k.a. Roy Radin, who lives in Southampton and has wild sex parties. Uh, At this point, Terry believed that Roy was the leader of a satanic cult. In New York City. Ooh. Like, not not just that Roy Radin was participating in satanic rituals, but that he was the leader. Ooh. Maury and his wife ended up going to California to go to the site where Roy was murdered. <gasps> because they want to follow up on this lead so badly. Yeah. So they actually go to the murder site in the canyon, 65 miles north of Los Angeles. While they're at the canyon... Terry stumbles upon a Bible in the canyon and he's like, bingo, it's Satan. (laughs) This is all connected. Yeah. I mean, it's weird to find a Bible there. (laughs) I guess. I mean, like how this was like a long, I mean, I don't know how many months this was after Roy Radin was murdered or how long. Were people going up there? I don't think it's, I mean, I think if you're looking for something. Yeah. You find a Bible there. 
But Terry believed that Roy Radin was killed by members of the cult. Right. And as I told everyone for four fucking episodes, yeah. there was a there was yeah. other shit going on. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing too is Roy he dressed the part of a satanic cult leader, kind of like because he had the capes and the hats always. Like he had a dramatic look. Yeah. So it's kind of extra funny. <sighs> I mean, look, if you're looking for something, like, at, like this is like QAnon brain. Well, it's funny because we had my friend Tom on the show who wrote the book Chaos about Manson. Yes. And when I was friends with, you know, friends with him during the period he was researching uh, and I helped him a lot going to the public library and it's stuff like that, I could see how there was always one more thing you should check out. There's yeah. always one more lead. Like you'd get a phone call or something and you're like, well, I have to follow that one. And then that would lead to 10 more things. Like it is really difficult when you're trying to investigate something when there's so many characters uh, involved. Yeah. Everything leads to like a hundred more things. Right. And you have to be able to like stop yourself. Right. I think when you're an investigative reporter. Yeah. Otherwise you, it's a never ending thing. And every coincidence, and it also makes you realize how many, coincidences are happening all the time yeah that doesn't mean they're meaningful it's like maybe it's just cool or interesting like well that's weird there's nothing else to it like right uh but i think when you're focusing on it everything becomes this like game changer like connection or something yeah i just think like i said before i think it's way more plausible to go down the road of a police cover-up which we know does happen Right. As opposed to like this very, so, because then he also was like re- going into like Scientology and the Manson family. Yeah. I mean, it was like never ending because there's. Scenes- well, it's very similar to like the um, assassination of JFK. Like, because I was just listening to a podcast on that or watching something on it. And it's like, it's obviously just Oswald. Like, yeah, but there could be all these other things that are connected somehow, or maybe it's just a bunch of people like the mob and the CIA who are like, well, we're happy it happened, but we didn't do it. Like, right. Do you know what I mean? Like they all had motives, but they didn't do it, but they're probably fine with it. Like, you know, and then like the cover up happened during, you know, the panels and stuff like that. Cause they're like, well, we don't really care what happened. Yeah. So we're not going to like really help that investigation go further. Cause it'll uncover stuff about us that we don't want out. Right. Like, right. So yeah, I mean, that's the thing with conspiracy theories. There's always something like you said that keeps you going to all these other crazy areas, but you yeah. have that one solid truth that makes it all plausible. Right. Right. So, Maury Terry went on to release a book in 1987 detailing his theories called The Ultimate Evil. And I watched, like, they have a lot of archival footage, which is really interesting to see in this Netflix docuseries. And Stacey Moskowitz's mom is interviewed upon the release of this book. And at this point, according to this interview, they or this clip they showed of her, she's like, read the book. Read the book. So I don't, she believes the theories. At that point that they interviewed her, she was like convinced. I mean, I think it's very easy for family members to get convinced of this stuff. Oh, and yeah. that's why it's so dangerous or sinister in a way. Because it's like you can't hurt people. You can't drag people into your crazy theories until I, you know. And like, I believe that this Maury Terry guy really did believe all I do of too. this stuff. I do too, for I, sure. I just think he 
you know, got lost in, in these theories. Well, at some point too, you want, have to make it true or you've wasted your life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. we've seen that and a lot of that kind of stuff where people can't admit that they were wrong. Yeah. I think it's very hard to, I mean, as I've just, as I saw like reading the Reddit board for family members who have like people who are involved in QAnon. Right. And just reading people's experiences on Reddit of like, oh, my mom is like so deep in it. Yeah. Um, and like how they, they're just like seemingly trapped there forever. Because their egos are too fragile to handle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we all have that. It is we're like going to protect ourselves. It is like a cult brainwashing yeah. um, in that way. So anyway, yeah, check out the docuseries if you're interested in Son of Sam or this investigative journalist, uh, you know, and I also, like you said, the fo- I love footage from that period in New York City. I just love seeing it. It makes me homesick to hear all those eyewitnesses yeah. just talking on the news clips or the newsreels from back in the day. Like I loved hearing them talk about the stuff, just their voices and um, the way they would talk on camera for a news program as if it was <laughs> just what, like I just love their personas too, like their personalities. Yeah. It's so New York. I love our archival footage. It's so, so good. It's, yeah. I think it's worth watching just for that. Okay. We have another big story that happened in LA this week, and that is the preliminary hearings for Danny Masterson's rape trial. Oh, yeah. So we've talked about this before a while ago. Probably when, when he, it was first breaking. When that when this case was first breaking or that they were, you know, uh, launching an investigation into this. This is out of Los Angeles Magazine, but it was printed in the Times as well. It says, during four days of preliminary hearings last week in the rape trial of that 70s show actor, Scientologist Danny Masterson, Three women detailed how top officials from the celebrity-driven church allegedly tried to silence their accusations. The women, identified only by their first names and last initials, also aired their grievances with the church in a 2019 civil suit against Masterson, who last June was charged with three counts of felony rape by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. Although representatives of the church tried to keep their religious practices out of the criminal trial, Superior Court Judge Charlene Olmedo ruled against them. In allowing the case to go forward, Olmedo found that the victims did not report the alleged attacks to the police for more than a decade because Scientology has, quote, an expressly written doctrine that not only discourages but prohibits its members from reporting other followers to law enforcement. Uh, So these women, they took the stand during the hearings and they basically told their stories about how they were threatened yeah. into silence by the church. Uh, the article goes on to say, one woman who claims Masterson raped her in 2001 while she was unconscious testified that a Scientology official demanded she write a statement in which she would take responsibility for the assault. Ugh. Another woman who was born into the church said that when she planned to report Masterson in 2004 for allegedly raping her in 2003, a Scientology lawyer appeared at her family's home to warn them that she would be excommunicated if she did so. So as we, if you know anything about Scientology or watched any of the documentaries on it, you're familiar with the church's tactics of 
intimidating people into silence. Yeah. So it sounds like this is more of the same here, especially accusing a high-profile celebrity member of the church. I'm beginning to think that the Scientology church is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. No, I mean, they especially protect their big celebrities. That's all this fucking church is about, is like getting these big celebrities and then doing everything they can to keep them in the fold. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's sick. Like, did you watch the Going Clear documentary? Of Probably. course. It's so good. I've watched it like 10 times. Yeah, it's really good. Um, there's like a scene where it's like Tom Cruise's 50th birthday and they throw him a really big party, but it's the lamest ass bar mitzvah, like, <laughs> like level party. You're like, this is a celebrity party. And it's oh, like yeah. the cheapest entertainment. Like it's wild. And they're just ass kissing his ass so fucking hard. The lead guy, David Miscavige. Ugh. Like I have that song in my head. Oh yeah. I know the one. Da, 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 Ugh, don't da, even da, go da, there. Da, don't da, even. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think of that video like every week. Like, that is my worm. What is that? Brain my, like, worm. Brain worm. That song. I fucking hate that video. I can see them all with their happy faces. <laughs> it's sick. Going Clear is a great documentary, though. I've watched it so many times. It's like my going to sleep documentary. Like, not that, that, that sounds like a bad thing, but I always will watch things I've seen before just in case I fall asleep. Yeah. It won't be like devastating. Yeah. But I love it so much that I'll end up watching it for way too long because there's so many good parts. We have to do something on like the JPL, that whole thing. JPL? Um, the Jet Propulsion Lab. Remember oh, this part yeah. with Marjorie Cameron and the the Jack, I can't remember his last name, Sheldon, who um, Ron Hubbard stole his wife. There's that whole scene. There's those whole scenes in the middle of that documentary where they're in the, the sort of witchy world of Aleister Crawley. Right, <laughs> right. It's, a, it's like a very LA story, so we'll, we'll definitely do it. But yeah. So speaking of Scientology content, um, there's a podcast, I'll just mention it now, Okay. That is on my mind. But there's a podcast I listened to. Henry Zabrowski's wife, Natalie, she has a podcast. It's relatively new with her friend, Amber, who's a comedian. And it's called Somewhere Underneath. And it's only on Spotify. And they did like a four-part series on Shelley Miscavige. Ooh. So you you know I immediately press play on that. Ooh, yeah. I mean, I would too. Yeah. I'm like gonna... their whole podcast is about missing women. Oh, cool. So they did like a deep dive into her like early life and theories or yeah. stuff about There's her. There's a lot, yeah. Um, but I do find that endlessly fascinating. Like where is Shelly Miscavige? It's the whole thing is just endlessly fascinating and wild that this is still going on and existing in this way. Like how are they getting away with it still? Oh yeah. It's crazy. It's super wild. So, uh, yeah. So that's some yeah true crime news. Is that's he happening. married to Bijou Phillips? I think so. Okay. I think they're married. Yeah. Um, but I have one last news story and it is a decidedly different tone than the, the previous news stories <laughs> we just did. <laughs> And this is out of Food and Wine magazine. Ooh. The DiGiornut is the DiGiorno pizza and donut mashup that's so weird it just might work. I'm on board. You are? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try anything once. (laughs) 
Okay, it says, it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno, is one of those slogans that's burned into your memory forever, but a brand can't live on a single catchphrase alone, and for some reason, the cook-at-home pizza purveyor decided in May of 2021 was the month that they go all in on buzzy promotions. Just one week ago, DiGiorno joined the legion of brands that have released their own online merch shop. Then today, they announced the release of an even more discussion-worthy item, the DiGiornut. <sighs> Hold on. The DiGiornut, a DiGiorno pizza and donut mashup. There's a picture of it. Hmm. Uh, it looks like it's a savory raised donut with pizza toppings oh, on top. That's not what I was thinking. What were you thinking? I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> not that. Like, <laughs> I had a few thoughts. What, like it was going to be sweet? I thought that it could have just been a donut by DiGiorno, like mm-hmm. a second product that was unrelated to pizza flavoring. Oh, I'd try that. Yeah. So that was like one thought I had. And like then if I, it was in the frozen food section? Yeah. Like a you pop it in the oven yeah. and it rises or like it's sort of half <laughs> risen. Yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Like those half baked baguettes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love those. <laughs> it could be good. And then I thought maybe it was along the lines of like, the carnival food where they had like the chicken sandwiches on a donut bun or a hamburger on a donut bun. So maybe some kind of pizza version. Right. Like where you're really high and you're like, I'll eat a pizza on a glazed donut. <laughs> like something like high food, like stoner food related. Yeah. No, this is literally like a savory donut and it has like melted cheese on top and looks like there's marinara on one of them with Parmesan. Yeah. I don't um, like, it doesn't look good to me. No, I'm not into this. But savory donuts like can be done right. That seems like something you would get at a really nice restaurant. Well, I always go back to bone kettles. Oh, right. I bone think, kettle. I think about the clam and donuts all the time. Yeah. I know I've said this before, but I think they have a they have like one of the most genius menu items. I remember dipping those donuts into the clam Ugh, broth. So it good. was really good. So good. We have to go. Yeah, now that like restaurants are opening yeah. back up and we're vaccinated, we can we can because you can't I can't get that takeout. It's not the same. No, I want it fresh. I want a fresh hot at the table right there. The whole deal. But yeah, but that but to me that is like that is like the ultimate savory donut experience. Yes, it was um, perfect. It was a perfect inspired inspired. Uh, so yeah, this I don't know. I if don't I like the way this. the cheese looks. Yeah, I don't like the cheese the way it looks in this picture. Um, but if you try the DiGiorno savory donut, let us know. Yeah, I'm curious. But there there are a few places that I've seen or a few iterations of savory donuts over the past few years that I have seen that I'm curious about. But I not, don't doubt that I could like this. Yeah. <laughs> like there's definitely someone who could do it. Because in theory, it, it should work because it's just fried dough. Yeah. And fried dough is like so delicious. I can imagine fried dough with many different flavor combinations. Like I've seen like an everything bagel donut kind of thing with cream cheese. Like that that seems, sounds like something I would like. Mm. Um, So yeah, so that's all my news stories. When we come back, we'll talk about some other shit. Jazzy, did you read anything, watch anything, listen to anything good this week? Uh, I'm still just doing Evil Lives Here. <laughs> There's a lot to go through there. I am I'm watching American Horror Story Hotel and um, Coven, 
like rewatching those two. I, I did watch Coven before. I'm kind of watching them both at the same time for some reason. Uh, I feel like if you haven't seen any of them, you should watch Hotel because there's famous serial killers in this this one. Yeah. You got a John Wayne Gacy, Richard Ramirez, because it's sort of based on the Cecil Hotel. So they pop up. You might like it. Uh, I feel like I did listen to a podcast, but I can't. I can't think of it. No, I mean, I haven't been doing anything. I'm just surviving. <laughs> Word. Oh, and Mare. Mare. I mean, Mare is, Mare is the big one. It's the season series finale. Yes. Upcoming. Next week. Next Sunday. So this was the penultimate episode that we watched last Sunday. I thought it was very good. I'm obsessed with Mare theories. Like I, if I see a thread of them, I'll read every single response to it. Yeah, me too. I can't. I'm like addicted to reading everyone's uh, ideas. I can't remember the last time I really cared <laughs> as much about like theory ideas for a show. Well, like we said, it's like this is the one prestige drama that's on right now, that's airing right now. Absolutely. And there are so many possibilities. It's definitely one of those shows I was like, it's going to either be the most boring, predictable ending, or maybe it will be an interesting one that we could have seen the whole way if we were paying attention. That's always the dream, right? Yeah, that's the that dream. It's like a perfectly crafted ending that no one saw coming yeah but makes perfect sense right um but yeah i mean i've ha- i've been burned so many times in the past few years with this type of show i have my expectations low which could benefit the show because <laughs> i'm going in with low expectations i'm honestly worried that when this show ends i'm gonna have like a, a crisis it has been something i've looked forward to every week like i am literally excited on Sunday when it's about to start. Same. I'm like, yeah, Mayor. Oh, me too. I'm like, got my food. I have my whole setup, my blanket. Like, I'm all comfortable. Like, I want right. to relax and watch Mare. I think I posted a picture. My fucking cat. Well, I had this, like, my internet broke, like, right before Mare was starting last week, like, five minutes too. So, obviously, my TV won't work because it's all streaming, internet connection. Uh, so I used my phone as a hot spot and watched on my laptop. And then, of course, my cat's like, oh, we're doing this. <laughs> and kept poking his head around the screen. It's like, I'm watching Mare. Like, literally, like, it was just such, I was like, can I enjoy, I have one fucking thing. Like, how does my internet go out right at that moment? It was just absolute fucking insanity. I was so stressed. <laughs> no, I'm like stressed planning next week's or Sunday. God, it's, it's already Thursday. I know, it's bad. So last week, I erroneously stated I was going to the Giants-Dodgers game that weekend, but I was so exhausted that what I meant to say was I'm going this weekend, right. this coming weekend. So, But you're going Mare Day. I'm going, it's, a, it's in the daytime. Okay, good. It's a day game. What I'm stressed about is exactly what time the game ends and getting home and having time to bake my tasty cake cake. (laughs) Our life is very stressful. (laughs) Can you even even imagine? Can you see what we go through? Can you even imagine? Will we have enough time to bake our homemade tasty cakes? (laughs) We're... Ridiculous. People. I don't even. I live fucking close to Dodger Stadium too. The I traffic even, can be bad. <laughs> not from where I live. Like I just feel like. I mean, I guess. Yeah. It just leaving be, the stadium. Leaving is bad, the stadium. Yeah. It, it could be really bad. Um. Um. But yeah. I mean, if you're out, what does the game start at? One thirty. Yeah. One o'clock. Okay. One o'clock. So three, four. I mean, it's going to be cutting it close. 
Because you're thinking the game is going to be at least two and a half hours. At least. It'll be like three hours probably. But um, look, I'll get home in time to bake a cake. It's not a a complicated cake. You're going to have your, get your prep work done. Like whatever you can, like have all your ingredients out or whatever. Yeah. So you can just throw it together the minute you get in. Yeah, that's a good idea. I was like stressing. I was like, what if Desi comes over and I don't know. You could probably make the frosting in advance. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying do a few things in advance. Yeah, I will. you'll be a little less stressed. Because I want to eat the cake while I'm watching Mare. Yes. I thought about making it tonight for when you came over, but no. then I said, no, it's not the same. And I live by an Italian bakery. I'm going to go check out their bread. Okay, I, I need approval first. Because I don't want the real crusty bread. I want a soft hoagie roll. This looks like the right kind of stuff. Because this is not bread I would eat without a hoagie on it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's soft. It's not hard. I don't want a hard bread. It looks like the kind of bread you're getting at a Wawa. That's what I want. It's that Italian... Squishy. Yeah, it's squishy. Uh, We need a squishy bread. This is Italian bread that's squishy, so it has a crust, but it's not the tough crust. No, no. Uh, no, it looks accurate. I'm accurate. I know. You should trust me. I do trust you. I do trust you. But when Desi told me, oh, we're going to make hoagies, I said, that really stresses me out because I'm very stressed about the bread. No, I'm going to go check it out because uh, this is an old school Italian bakery. I've just never been to it. It's, it's in my neighborhood. Okay, it's I been want there pictures. forever. Well, go, you can go online. We can go look at it. Just from looking at the pictures, I'm like, that's the accurate bread. And they make okay. sandwiches there. They okay. make hoagies. Yeah. So I'm 100% sure it's the best we're going to do in LA maybe probably. We, yeah. Maybe they should just make us hoagies. Oh, we can I'm make our see. own. Get, well, okay. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Don't stress out about it. Okay. I'll pick up a hoagie. We'll eat it. We can, uh, we can get all about good. the bread. We can get all about That's the bread. That's not a hoagie though. I know, but we'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> we will be happy. That is a good sandwich. Yeah, it's a very good the, sandwich. The Godmother, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll discuss this afterwards. Yeah. God, don't discuss this in public. We'll. Discuss- well, I'm just. I, I don't want to get into the nuance of what what exactly you think a hoagie is. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna. Go Wait, this we're gonna, episode is not two hours. We're gonna do. A, <laughs> we're gonna do a slideshow later tonight, Desi, and I'm gonna show you the. Exact- I want a PowerPoint of you pointing to each meat slice, how thick it can yeah, be. Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> to me, the key is shredded lettuce. Ice cream uh, yes, lettuce. Of course. <laughs> That's like the key for me for a hoagie. Gotta have the shredded and the lettuce. peppers, uh, like hot peppers. I'm not making a gourmet sandwich here. No, it, I get angry. When there's no shredded lettuce. I want the shredded hoagie. lettuce on my hoagie. <laughs> that thinly sliced yes. shredded iceberg. You know it's what so I'm talking good. about. Um, no, I, I can't think of anything else that I watched of interest. Oh, man. We talked about Woman in the Window. Dude, no. that was... Okay, I watched a new movie last night with Allison Williams and this other guy, I forget his name, but he was kind of hot. And it was like a survival movie where they... They're playing, what's it called? A pilot? <laughs> <laughs> they're playing a pilot? No. I, uh, the, their pilot on their airplane has a heart attack. Oh. Wait, they're, I'm going to have to le- okay. re-listen to that. <laughs> they're, on, they're in Mauritius, and they're going to their friend's wedding, and they're taking one of those little island hopper planes okay. to the destination, but their pilot has a heart attack. Midair? 
midair and <gasps> dies. And Allison Williams, I'm not, this is the premise. Don't worry, I'm not okay. giving anything. But Allison Williams' character, who's only had a few flying lessons. I mean, that's more than most. That's more than most. <laughs> they have to figure out how to fucking uh, get to, the GPS is also broke. Look, there are a lot of things. There's a lot of problems. So a lot of this movie takes place on a plane. Most of the movie takes place on the plane. And I was thinking. That's stressful. <laughs> and I was thinking, is this whole movie taking place on this prop plane? But it, it was good. I liked it. That sounds really stressful to I me. Love, I don't know if I can watch it. No, it's fun, stressful. It is? Because it's also, there's a lot of very implausible things that happen where you're like, oh, come on. And then you're yelling. And, and look, it was the kind of movie I wanted to watch. I think there's certain things, like I think I mentioned open water, that stress me out to a level where it's almost unenjoyable. Because it's, it's not, personal fears of mine. It's not that level. It's <laughs> okay. not the same. Because okay, good. open water, I think because open water is found footage, it makes it so much more real yeah and um, this is more ridiculous open water ways. is like one of the finest crafted found footage horror movies just in terms of how, how effective it is yeah at making you squirm yeah um okay that sounds cool yeah i mean i i enjoyed it it was late last night i was watching it um i'm looking forward to the conjuring the new the new conjuring really movie. yeah are you a conjuring stan uh no but it's desperate times, <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm grasping for anything I can get my hands on, and I like it. I liked the original Conjuring enough that I will watch this one and maybe try to watch two before this one starts because I never saw it. Yeah, I like supernatural horror. I was uh, gonna say I like. When Even I, though I don't believe in it, really. no, I know. Yeah. But I was gonna say I think your, from what I know about you, I think your two most beloved horror subgenres are religious horror and supernatural horror. Yes, those scare me. Yeah. I don't know why. I know, but I think that's interesting because it's ironic because you don't believe in supernatural <laughs> stuff and you're you're not religious. But I think. I believe in people really believing in that stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like so I me. believe, no, but not like you, like you, yes. But like, let's say someone, I believe someone can believe the devil is real and make them do horrible thing enough that they would do horrible things in his name. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of realistic, even though it's not. That's an interesting And I believe take. that like, I'm scared when people believe their houses are haunted yeah. Even though it's scary to watch people go through that. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of it is scary. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I don't believe I'm going to get, you know, murdered by Freddy Krueger, but it's still scary right. watching it. Of course. Like, of it's course. how it's done. And I, I think I, what I like about those movies is there's a low key vibe to them usually. It's like chilling and sort of tense the whole time. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I like those type of movies. That is true. Yeah. But I really like 70s horror, and I feel like both of those really had a lot of good ones during that period of yeah. both of those genres. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't like many religious horror movies. I don't like demon movies particularly, but I do love The Omen and The Exorcist. Because those are good. Those are great movies. Well, they have good story, like the characters and stuff like that. So I don't like, even though I like those genres a lot, I, there's so many stinkers within every horror genre. Of course. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think the problem with those genres is like you can enjoy a bad slasher movie. Yeah. That's still going to be fun and campy probably. Right. But these movies are always trying to be elevated. So then they really suck when they're, they're bad. And yeah. there's so many within that 
Warren, whatever, those people. Yeah. Those horror movies, there's so many bad ones. But I like The Conjuring, uh, I think. And like, yeah. I don't know. if Did I see all the Annabelles? I don't know. <laughs> I don't like all of those movies. Dude, like, I, I think re- a lot of them are bad. <laughs> I remember, I'll never forget when I first saw the Annabelle trailer. <laughs> I was like going through a really hard time in my personal life. <laughs> Like, like one of the, like historically, like a low in my life. Yeah. At, like mental health wise. I can't wise. wait to find out why this will matter. <laughs> I'm like, Dude, I was like just starting like a new meds or something. And like, I go to the theater to like go see a movie and like, I had just gotten out of like a major depression or something. Let me see Annabelle. No, <laughs> okay. I didn't see Annabelle, but the okay. tra- the trailer for Annabelle played and there's like this part at the end of the trailer where they just show like a jump cut like uh-huh. to like an- a close-up of Annabelle's face and it's like, ah, you know? Yeah. And I just started crying. Oh my God. <laughs> like I was so upset about it. Jesus. <laughs> I think it's also a lot of the stuff I like because I was such a fan of the Twilight Zone growing up as a yeah. kid. So I like like the doll, the haunted dolls and like stuff like yeah. that. It's creepy i do love i do love a haunted doll story that's funny i mean crying is well, I was so, <laughs> I don't think, it was like such can a, you imagine the people in the theater with you talk about this story from a completely different point of view <laughs> like remember the time remember the time we went to see Zero thirty, dark thirty, whatever, like some yeah. random movie, right. and the girl was crying after Annabelle. <laughs> this is some people's favorite story. They yeah. tell it at parties. <laughs> Probably it was a packed theater at the ArcLight. Oh, it was like opening night for some movie. God, I'm dying to remember. I need to find out like when that trailer premiered because like I'll be able to pinpoint exactly the movie I was going to right. see. But I was just like, it was just like the culmination of like shit that was happening in my life. And like, it was just like, I was so fragile. And this is like, look, I don't know. It was like the perfect storm because like, I mean, no one who can say we've all cried at really weird things. It was just like the most (laughs) random. Like I just couldn't. Were you by yourself? No, I was with my, uh, whoever was my boyfriend at the time. Okay. That important guy. No, No. (laughs) well, I don't want to say his name. No, no, no. (laughs) You made it seem like you forgot. No, I know who it was. Okay, okay, okay. They were very supportive of me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, no, he's a, okay. he's a wonderful man. Right. Um, we're just not together anymore. He was a wonderful man. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> For some reason, it was funnier when you were alone. <laughs> oh, I, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> look at this woman. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, have you ever had anything embarrassing happen to you in a theater? In a theater? Or witness something absurd? The most absurd thing I can remember, like my biggest mess of an experience was during paranormal experience. Activity. Well, I had an experience. (laughs) So I can get very motion sickness during handheld camera Uh stuff. (laughs) So my eyes were closed half the movie. I could only open it when it was the um, hidden camera. Oh, no. I couldn't watch it when it was just the regular movie parts, like where it's all the stuff. Because it made me so physically ill. Yeah. And someone had brought their kid into the movie. (gasps) Now, this is a Saturday night, like late, like 9 p.m. show. So they had a young kid in there. Why? Which also makes it very tense when you know there's a child in a scary movie. So it was like very difficult for me to enjoy the movie on multiple levels. Then someone from that group, I think it was like a large group of people, 
One of them had a child. I don't know who it was, if it was the child <laughs> who fainted. And the movie stopped and the paramedics had to come in oh. and take them out. Oh, no. So it was like this whole... And like during the wait for the paramedics to arrive, there was like so much like howling and like... I mean, people in the group were like, because ah, ah, obviously something scary had happened. So it was just kind of like... And then the movie started playing again. I was just like, I can't. I can't. Why, why am I here still? It was just like one of those things where I was like, I hate this. <laughs> then... I was so scared that movie scared the hell out of me. I got home. I was alone. I fell asleep and I couldn't fall I couldn't fall asleep because I was so terrified and every time I shut my eyes I would see things from the movie. Then I like googled something about the movie and I found out there was an alternate ending <gasps> and I watched the alternate Why? ending. Why? Because I'm crazy and it was so frightening. <laughs> like it's even scarier. I was like, that's why they changed it. <laughs> that every time I closed my eyes, all I saw was the alternate ending. And I literally did not sleep all night. It was the scaredest I had ever been from a, mo- a movie. I don't even know that it's the scariest movie I ever saw, but it's like one of those things where all the circumstances came together. Yeah. I was fucking terrified the whole night. I could not sleep. And I was like, I'm never going to sleep again. Like that's right. how bad it was. I was so scared. I was like, I'm haunted now. Like I yeah. I felt like I had been altered. Like, it's crazy. I don't even remember. It's a scary movie. Yeah. I only saw it once in the theater. So that's like, what? But like, it scared the hell out of me. And just the imagery of the ending and then the new ending was even more terrifying. Do you know the yes? I mean, I've heard, I've read about the alternate. It's so scary. Yeah. I can't deal. Like, (laughs) it was like the the scariest experience I've ever had at a movie theater and craziest, like, for sure. So, no, yeah. we when I saw um, the night that I saw Midsummer, I was going with a big group of people to go see that, and um, like we had. Do you remember that summer where we had like all those big earthquakes? Yeah, yeah, like two years ago or whatever. Right. Um, and they were like big. Bi- I mean, they were bigger than we'd had in a while. In and LA. there was a few of them. And there was a few of them. They were like six. Five. five. Six, they yeah. were like on a five level. Where you but, could definitely feel them. Yeah, it wasn't just like little baby whatever earthquakes, right. like a two or a three. It was like a 5.1 or yeah. something. Like it was actually like shit was moving. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like this one was like, I was like getting ready to like walk out the door to go to the arc light and like we had this huge fucking earthquake and like my whole house was moving. And so just by the time I got to the theater, everyone at the Arclight was outside of the theater. Yes. Because they had to evacuate the showing before me. Yeah. So by the time like everyone settled in for our showing of the movie, I was just rattled. It's disorienting. Like, yeah. yeah, So like I couldn't enjoy the first like 15 (laughs) minutes of the movie because I was still thinking about the earthquake and like bracing myself if we had another one. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I will never forget that experience. That is terrifying. <laughs> the they whole have paramedics. Was, I have never had a paramedics come because someone was so scared or I don't know what happened and the baby was crying. It was just like, what is happening? Like, I get it. It's hard. You have a kid. You want to go to movies again. But it's like, you can't. You can't bring you can't your bring young your child to that. Unless they're like a baby baby where they're just conked out in a stroller and don't hear anything or aren't awake. Like I can see that maybe working. But yeah, it was kind of like, come on. Like yeah. I get it. I'm always like so protective of other people's children, even though when I was a kid, I was watching the most fucked up movies. Oh, totally. And like, yeah, there could be kids who enjoy it. 
like yeah, that's different. Yeah, but yeah, this clearly was not that. Uh, it's just weird. On a lower level, when I went to go see Revenge of the Sith with my brother in the theaters, he had to excuse himself. He had to use the emergency exit because he Ooh. he was chewing too much sour apple dip during the movie, <laughs> <laughs> and he had to go puke. <laughs> I'll never forget that. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I actually still bring it up to him to this day. I mean, like that's an embarrassing. 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah. You got you to pay for that one yeah. for the rest of your life. For the rest of his life, I'll remind him. Hey, remember when you had to go barf during Revenge of the Sith? <laughs> that's the thing you can always bring out when you're at a loss for words in an argument. Yeah. Oh, no. I actually brought it up to him recently just out of the blue. I texted him. I was like, remember when you threw up during Revenge of the Sith? <laughs> He's like, do I ever? Of course. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. How are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. so that's it. What'd you eat? Oh, I was telling Rachel today I made the best cinnamon toast ever. <sighs> so all you do is brown your bread in a skillet with butter on both sides. And then before you flip the bread over, you sprinkle it with a cinnamon sugar. Your choice. Make the combo you like and flip it back over and then you sprinkle it on the side that's up and you flip it over a few more times until it's nice and caramelized. Mm. And it's like French toast, but without the egg batter. So it's just like this caramelized butter bread. And I can imagine it being very good if you get a nice bread. I just use sliced sourdough because I had it. It's a New York Times recipe, if you can call it that. Uh, I think it's a recipe. Yeah. Because they're giving you a new technique to make cinnamon toast. It's really good. It sounds like the ultimate way to make that. If you have the time. I mean, obviously, the other way is easier and less pans. But like for a nice breakfast, Mm. I think this would be a nice... I think this would be a great breakfast. Or just with coffee. Yeah, with coffee, with this kind of thing on the side. Yeah. Everyone would be so impressed. Yeah. I'm sure of it. (laughs) (laughs) Impress your friends. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of my exciting thing. Yeah. I can't think of anything else I had. I've been Googling a lot of foods that I want. Really? I Googled, um, well, I Googled hoagies. So I've been looking at hoagies. And I also Googled um, cannolis the other day. Mm. I really want to make homemade cannolis. I was really? like, I need to buy the um, things to, to put them on. Yeah. the Like the circle things. You know, you wrap them around those metal things. You know, cannolis is something I did not like as a kid, but it's something as an adult. I began to crave. Here's the thing about cannolis. There's very few good cannolis. There's a lot of bad cannolis. There is a lot of bad cannolis. <laughs> and it ruins it. I'll tell you what, though. There's a place that's... It's a, okay, in Palm Springs, I had one of the best cannolis <laughs> oh, from really? one of the most like unexpected places, too. When we went to Palm Springs last October, right? I we ordered Postmates from... Oh God, there's this Jewish deli that's like really real popular in Palm Springs. And I was like, I need to get some like, you know, I'm expecting like, oh, I'm going to get like a New York cheesecake or something on the side. I just needed something sweet. Yeah. And I saw they had a cannoli. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the fucking cannoli. And it was really good. I remember you told me. I was, and it was huge. I was eating that thing all day. <laughs> <laughs> I think the key is the shell has to be really crispy yes. and light yes. and sometimes it can be cold and hard like i don't and like soft. it soft yeah it's like chewy cuz it's like you know that they had it sitting around a while and then the filling i don't like with the um bitter fruit in it like sometimes they have the bitter fruit in it no but i want a little lemon zest lemon zest is fine yes so that's like a 
I, I'm, I, I'm real particular about the filling, and I don't like it too sweet. No. No, uh, this was a really good one. Okay. I think the thing I'm interested with cannoli is that it's like I want to figure out exactly what I like and make it and like maybe have some trial and error and make a bunch of recipes <laughs> until I find the perfect combination. Yeah. Like it seems like a fun summer project to like make my perfect cannoli okay. and figure it out. Okay. When Brendan gets back from work... We need to leave him here with the cats, and we need to go to Palm Springs and have this cannoli. Okay. Because I need you to try it. I think we have to try some cannolis yeah. to figure out what we want to emulate. Because right. there's like lots of fillings, too. But Ricotta, I think... There's mascarpone, like mascarpone I'm mixtures. Telling, like, this one was like the best one I've ever had. Okay. It was really good. Yeah. I mean, a great cannoli is one of the best. Yeah. All the bad stuff. They're not ruin good. It. They're ruining it for everyone. And you know, I tried to like order an, a cannoli from a different place after that, and it was a bad one, and I was so disappointed. Uh, it's just not when it's bad, it's bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things I feel like I've had in my life bad versions of, and then I finally have a good version. I'm like, oh, now I get it. This is why this has been around for 400 years or whatever. Like, right? Yeah, and you just have had cheap imitations. Yeah. Bad ingredients, whatever. It's like probably how I feel about rugula. I bet I actually think about that a lot. I was like, I'm going to make a rugula that Rachel likes, and I know I could do it because yeah. I know exactly what you don't like about it. Because you know what it is. My mom never made rugula. That that's not a dessert that she made. So every time I would have rugula, it was like some store bought, like just not good. I think rugula should taste like a mini babka. Yeah, it should be flaky. It should too. be flaky, and and like the filling should be moist. Moist. No, every rugula I've had has been bullshit. Most rugulas are dry, and they taste like grocery store, like it was like grocery store quality. And I felt the same way about hamantaschen until I made my own. I I think these things have to be made correctly. So I'm sure there are places that exist that make good rugula. Yeah, I don't know if it's Zabar's. People always say that. Someone got real defensive once when I tweeted a few years ago. I was like, I hate rugula. It's the worst Jewish food. And someone was like, well, you haven't been to Zabar. I was like, no, I haven't. I'm from California. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. Damn straight I haven't been to Zabar's, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> I did. I got really defensive. I was like, I'm sorry. I haven't fucking you been gotta, there. You uh, got to recognize People come from different coasts and from in between. Yeah. Like you you don't have access to the the height of a item. Right. And the areas. times I've gone and the times I've traveled to New York, I'm not waiting in a fucking line. Well, and if you don't like rugula, then why am I gonna you're try not it? very invested in no. getting the best. No. Like uh so But I now I do want to try their version because I wanna I'd like to go back to that tweet and at reply it and say, uh, I, I, I tried the Put root. your science glasses on. <laughs> Respond to the tweet. <laughs> You've done your research properly. I like the idea that we're flying to New York to try rugula and driving to Palm Springs to get the cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lengths we will go to. Um, no. I, it's funny because now I'm already like, yeah, let's go to Zabar's because it's right near this bakery I want to go to in New York that's on that's sort of north of where we did our live show last last time we were in New York. Yeah. It's a really good bakery. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but they have the best fucking pastries and coffee. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. So we can do we can do some pastry, pastry binge on the <laughs> Upper West Side. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. That sounds so, yeah, really that's great. That's all I got. 
Okay, well, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.